Welcome to the Authentic Wellness Podcast. This is where I, Sophia, a real woman, speak to real women and some men about issues that matter to all of us. Now, without further ado, let's talk about it. Welcome to another episode of the Authentic Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Sophia Antoine. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I am so glad you are here. As always, um, your presence is not taken lightly. No matter when you're listening to this, I appreciate it. So here we go. Now, in the last episode, I talked about how I decided to become a birth doula. In this episode, I am sharing what prompted me to become an end-of-life doula or also known as a death doula. Um, I'm sure there are other names for it, but those are the two that I hear most often, and they may be the two that you have heard or have come in contact with for whatever reason and whatever situation, but um, here we are. So it's my goal to become a full spectrum doula, meaning from the time a baby makes its transition into the world, coming from womb to world through life. So we talked about last time how you um, need a doula or a life coach to maybe help you accomplish some things in life. And now this is the other end of the spectrum, which is a death doula or an end of life doula, help you to peacefully transition or to accomplish some goals as you transition to your next journey. Now, my position on this is the transition from death isn't given enough attention. And we work so hard to have a good life to end with a mediocre death. We work tremendously hard. We as in, as a people, as a human race, work tremendously hard to have a good life and provide for our families and all of these things, make sure we leave things behind. And then it's like death Oh, okay, she's gone or he's gone or whatever the case may be. Um, what I think is we can have, you and I can have a better passing on, a better tr- transition into our next part of this journey called life. And that's what really prompted me. That's what spurred me on. The end is just as important as the beginning because your end, people are learning from it. People are your family, your friends, the people who are associated with you will learn from this experience and will take this experience into their lives and they'll do it just the same. That's why death has been done the same way over and over and over again. So I just want to be able to change the narrative, especially for people in my community, change the narrative and become something better, become something greater and not make it be this scary thing. Although it is the unknown and we're often afraid of the unknown, it's important to go into it knowing what's going to happen. And if you can have some semblance of control or some semblance of say into what's happening, Why not? Why not? There's not a reason. There's not an answer for that. So 
I didn't know that end-of-life doulas existed until I started researching what it really took to become a birth doula. And contrary to popular belief, the classes and the, the homework and the the training is very similar because it's work. Labor is work. Dying is work. Your body, it takes a toll on your body. So it's necessary to be able to do that well. So what exactly is an end of life or a death doula? It's someone that will sit with you, someone that will um, not necessarily with you unless you so choose, but someone that will help you to know the signs and symptoms of when your transition is starting after you get maybe um, a diagnosis that means that you're terminal. It's someone that will listen to you, not necessarily your family members, although it can be a family member, but it's less pressure than a family member putting on you or feeling like they're just there because they want to get in good so you can change your will at the last minute so they can get something. It's for you or the dying person to be able to release sometimes of some kind of feelings and being listened to and definitely be, be heard. It's being heard and being loved on through your last moments. It's being able to express yourself without any type of pressure. It's leaving your legacy. Maybe sometimes you would want to um, tell some stories that you didn't necessarily tell, get off things off of your chest that you weren't able to say in life, but now you know that there's some sort of finality in this. You want to say what you wanted to say. And by no means am I advocating that you should wait until this time to do what you got to do and say what you got to say. It's my hope during life you're able to do that and you're at a place where you're comfortable with yourself that you're able to do that. But if not, and those last minute things that you want to get off your chest or these last minute things that you want to do, this is the time to do it. And a family member, a close acquaintance or a friend may not have that same compassion or that same empathy that they're able to hear these things. So that's where your end of life planning comes about. What really prompted me and what really helped me in this is my father's passing. I'm a daddy's girl through and through. No question about it. Daddy's girl through and through. And my father always told me that he was gonna live till 120. I mean, he missed it by a few years. Um, so I was really hurt because as a kid, this is what I knew. My dad's going to get to 120. I have time to prepare. And maybe it was my own naivete that thought that was really going to happen. But if my dad said it, that's what it was going to be. So when he did pass away the morning of, it was like, since our move to stay with my dad, it was six months to the day we moved. And then exactly six months thereafter, my father passed away. So myself and my family got a chance to stay with him for six exact months. Was it tumultuous? Yes. But looking back, I can see how he attempted to prepare and get everything in order 
So, because he knew, he felt it. And although his original diagnosis wasn't terminal, which he had cancer, it wasn't terminal at that point. We know it can be. So that's, that's what got, got it for me because I had a great workout that morning. I'd gone um, upstairs to um, shower and get ready for work. And he asked me to prepare him something to eat. I did that. And he didn't, he didn't quite like it. And not that it wasn't good. It just didn't taste the same because as your body's transitioning, things don't taste the same, don't smell the same. Your body's changing. And his progression was swift. And we got him something else. And some things had happened that are, are quite private that I, I don't wish to disclose. But um, I just knew when I had gotten ready for work, I'd showered up, gotten dressed and everything. He was resting comfortably. I thought he just wasn't feeling well. Long story short, I thought he just wasn't feeling well. And something in me, before I was leaving for work, I, I said, Daddy, I'm going to work. I kissed him. I told him I love him. He said he loved me too. As I walked out the door, I knew today, was that day was going to be the last time I saw my father alive. Something in me just knew. But I shook it off and I went to work. And not even five hours later, my husband's calling me, get here to the, we just called an ambulance, get to meet us at the hospital, get there right away because he has a very fake pulse. So I didn't make it to the hospital in time to tell my dad goodbye, which is bittersweet, but we said our I love yous. And I, I'm glad that it happened that way where we said what we had to say in advance of the whole um, chaotic scene of getting him to the hospital because we probably wouldn't have had time with them whisking him away, taking him back in the hospital and trying to work on him and things like that. So I am so glad that it happened the way it did because I did get to say, let him know I loved him. He let me know he loved me and I got to kiss him and things like that. But Afterwards, after he transitioned and I came home, I was in a state of shock. I did not cry. I didn't cry um, for several weeks. For several weeks, I didn't cry because I was so caught up in the planning, in the cleaning of the house, being ready to receive visitors and things like that. And I don't want that for another family. I don't want that for anyone else because it delayed my grieving process. It delayed my own grief in a way that I think did me a disservice. And my sisters, my siblings are all spread out all over the place and waiting for them to come in and preparing for things and getting and taking polls on what casket to choose, on what um, outfit for him to wear, things like that. That was a lot. And it would have been nice thinking that if there was somebody that was there to help us prepare for all of that, it, it, it definitely would have been nice. And I want to be that for people in my community. And the whole process got me to thinking, could this have been done in a better way? Now, he was going to pass the way he was going to pass regardless. My dad always did things his way. And he did it, everything his way. 
So that Frank Sinatra song, that was one of his favorite songs. And my sister made sure we played it at his repast. And we have a, a collection of memories from him with that song playing in the background when we're looking at pictures and stuff. So it just helps, that song helps me to remember that this death work is important. It's hard to think about. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to just put yourself in that position, but it's necessary so that your family, when time comes for you to make your transition, because death is an appointment that we cannot miss. We might, we might skirt it a few times with accidents here or there, but there's an appointed date and time that you will go. And it's better to have your affairs in order in advance than having to scramble at the last minute. You have to be present for this process. Otherwise, it will work, but it won't go as smoothly for the rest of your family, your friends, or whomever that as it could be. And down to the last minute detail, you want to plan as much as you possibly can. So what do end of life doulas do? They sit with the dying person, the transitioning person, and just allow them to talk, allow them to get things off their chest, out of their mind. Maybe they have, um, and this is something we learned in class, it's, it's the rugs method because in life we sleep, we sweep a lot of things under the rug because we just want to get from day to day. We want to get those bills paid. We want to make sure the lives of the other people we come in contact with is going smoothly. So then you have maybe some regrets, some unfinished business. You have some guilt. You have some shame that you're dealing with. So we pull back the rug if the transitioning person chooses and allow them to just speak their piece. If they want the doula, myself, to take it down or record it in some kind of way, we do that for them as well. Make sure those writings or those videos get to the people to which they're intended and kept away from the people that they're not intended for. We do that. We um, write about their legacy. We talk about their legacy, things that they want to be remembered for. Maybe things that they, they've never shared before because maybe they're a private person. So a doula does all of that. And like I said earlier, maybe being a, a close acquaintance, maybe being a close person, they don't want you to know some of the things that have happened in their life. You as in a particular person to know about things that have happened in their life. Maybe they want to observe some type of um, cultural ritual in their passing, or maybe they picked up on something in life and they say, hey, this is good for me, even though my family won't agree with it, but this is what I want. That's my place. I don't serve the family per se. I'm there for the person who is passing away, who is transitioning to make sure that their wishes are known and hopefully carried out. I also help them, the family, to deal with the passing, help them to know what signs 
you know, when their body does this, this means they're getting closer. I make sure all the people are in the room for the time when the actual transition is happening. I make sure whatever the transitioning person wants, hopefully gets done. Now I can't override the family. I'm not there to take control of anything. I'm there as support. It matters that you have a doula because if you don't know they exist, this is the purpose of this particular episode. If you don't know they exist, you won't use them. And that's such a disservice to yourself and your family, simply because people out there want to help. They want to make this dying process, this transitioning process easier for you than just putting all the putting all the pressure on yourself and your family, especially if they're small children. So if the dying person doesn't want me to sit with them, but yet keep the maybe the children in the home entertained and and talk to them about what's going on in a more efficient and professional manner while their parent or someone else is going through some type of grief. I'm there for that too. So there's so much that you can utilize uh, an end of life doula for. Maybe it's just to help you plan. Maybe it's just to increase the respect in the room for the transitioning person, making sure there's no discrimination going on at the hospital or the hospice center, making sure that there are no conflicts of interest and privacy is observed. It's so important for these things to happen, to have a peaceful transition. And I know I keep saying that, but it's peaceful. It should be peaceful because when there's a lot of, just like with birth, when there's a lot of lights and and siren and arguing and things, that doesn't make it peaceful for the person or make them comfortable or feel good about leaving. It, It puts more stress on their body, more stress on their shutting down organs than for maybe dim lights different pictures or something, maybe on the television, things like that, that they are leaving you in good hands, the hands of each other. This is what they need to go on and be okay. And then it also, having a doula also is meant to prevent guilt for the family who quite frankly, probably showed all the way out acted a fool during these this person's last few days or last few weeks, last few minutes, and then living with a life of regret. Definitely don't want you to have that experience because regret, especially in a transitioning, for a transitioning person, having regret towards that, you can't fix it. There's no way to bring that person back and say, hey, let's get a do-over. That only happens in life. You get a do-over in life. But once this person is transitioned, has transitioned, there's no more do-overs. So you would want to do it in a way that's beautiful and makes the person feel like I'm leaving my family in good hands, the hands of each other, the hands that I have brought together. It's, it's just a, an amazing thing. Now I'm, I'm with full transparency, 
transparency and full disclosure, still in training, learning a lot, but I wanted to get this out to you to know that <clears throat> these services are available. So how the birth doula, the life coach in me and the end of life doula, how it will all come together. It's a peaceful crossing from the womb to the world. And this is just my philosophy now. Support and accountability through life and a peaceful crossing from the world into eternity, whatever that may be for you, whatever it is for you. That's what I want to ensure, especially in the way that the world is today. There's, there's nothing more important than peaceful transitions. Now, some transitions are violent meaning not physical violence, hurting somebody, but just the way that you're, you're brought from one stage of life to the other. And sometimes you don't have a chance to use an end of life doula because some deaths are unexpected and you know there's accidents and things like that. But in as much as you have the control, you're given a diagnosis or things like that, it's beautiful to be able to just be remember the person remember your family and get these things together so everybody's on the same page and they're able to start a tradition in their families of being upfront and not making death such a fearful thing it's going into the unknown but wouldn't it be better to go into the unknown peacefully step by step then the last thing you hear, because hearing in, in death is the last sense to go, hearing people fighting over your body, hearing people fighting over your money, your assets, anything. It should just be about lovingly sending me off onto this trip, onto this journey. So what I hope you take away from this episode is that Everything eventually comes full circle. It's necessary for all of us to work together as a community to bring new lives into the world, support and be empathetic to each other while we are here, and to peacefully send off those who are ordained to go or who are transitioning onto their next journey in peace as much as you can, as much as it is within your power. And you can control no one but yourself. So why not control this thing or have some semblance of control by leaving your family with memories and with um, good feelings about the way this happened, this next transition happened. So again, I appreciate your time and attention. It's, it wasn't a clear and concise episode, not as much as I had hoped, but when it's all passion and all, all love, and I'm trying to get this point across, I hope you understand. It'll be more clear later in later episodes, but this particular episode, I just really had to get it out. Thank you. Please reach out should you have questions. I am glad to answer them. And yeah. I'll see you in the next episode.
Take care. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Authentic Wellness Podcast. We've had the conversation. You have the information. The question is, what are you going to do with it? See you in the next episode.